0: Hello and welcome to episode 92 of the Karin Ninja podcast. I'm your host Karin Nidja and today I am speaking to Shakul Kachwala who is the other half of High Carb Health and we had his brother Shmiz Kachwala on the show episode 33 with his story about healing ulcerative colitis. Shmiz's story is incredible and since His own experience of healing his ulcerative colitis with a low-fat whole food plant-based diet. Himself and his brother Shakul, who's on the show today, they have gone on to create high carb health, which you can follow all over across social media. They have a YouTube channel where they post day in the life of a person who eats low-fat, whole food plant-based videos and all different testimonial videos. They post Everything they eat every day in their Insta stories, they have they have a, such a, a great, great positive attitude and do such incredible work in their coaching programs and coaching, one-on-one coaching and group coaching programs with people who are needing to heal their ulcerative colitis or improve their digestive health. So definitely check them out, highcarbhealth.com and high Carb health on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook everywhere on social media and today we have gone on another tangential talk about all things whole food plant-based. So we talk obviously about Shakul's story and we focus a bit on raising healthy vegan kids because there can be such a negative stigma around raising healthy plant-based kids, especially in our media Whenever there is a case of of neglect of a vegan child, it's often highly promoted and publicized when we all know so many and my own experience in child protection is that there are so many non vegan children who are also unfortunately experiencing neglect and abuse in their own home through a multitude of reasons, often you know mental health issues, drug and alcohol issues. Socioeconomical issues. There are so many factors that play a part in any child experiencing abuse and neglect in their homes and in their family environments. And being vegan is very, very. I've I, I've never come across a case of that being. The issue, it's always been a multitude of other issues. And in in most cases that when you do hear about a story where a child has been malnourished on a vegan diet by vegan parents, there is always many, many other factors going on that we don't hear about in the media, in those stories, such as mental health issues, financial issues. There are so many pieces going on in 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 those puzzles that aren't being delivered in those stories that that should be, and they're obviously very good clickbait, so people love to love to click on them and share their stories everywhere on social media and in their to their family and friends so today i, re- I really enjoyed talking to Shakul about his own experience raising his daughter and and my experience raising to two, two healthy vegan children from from birth. Yes, we talk, we talk about that a lot um, in this podcast, but we also talk about allergies, diet, raw food, eating a whole food plant-based diet, mindset, research, and and how to best go about. I think that Shakul and many of the guests on my show, we share how we come to commit to a whole food plant-based diet. And many of us came through it from many different avenues, and and I like sharing those stories because each of us has a is on a different journey and and we'll come to this lifestyle in our own time through our own way but often when you hear people's stories it can be can inspire you to say oh you know perhaps if i did a bit more research it would help me commit to this more seeing as i know what i know once you know the benefits of a whole food plant-based diet and then you do the research that's what then helps solidify that in our lives and helps it make it make it an, a lifestyle decision rather than a fad diet or a or a choice that you can go back and forth with. I think once you do the research and you read the books that Shakul talks about in this interview, it becomes much more difficult to go back and forth between an omnivorous or a standard Australian or American diet to a whole food plant-based diet because the results as I've, I've this has been said a million times about this way of eating the results are predictable and typical so it's not it's very unlikely that you won't achieve re- many of the positive results that the guests on this show have achieved for yourself if you just do it and you do the research and you follow this diet consistently for longer than a week or a day or three days, if you can do it consistently and you can't say you're doing it, but you're also having the odd biscuit, the odd chips, your partner's cooking this in butter, this one's doing this. Sometimes you can't do it half-assed and say, oh, I did it, but it didn't work for me. You need to go all in. And I don't mean to sound harsh, but that's just the truth. If you want to get the results that the guests on this show have gotten, you can't say I did it, but I also ate Savoy's, a whole bag of Savoy's on the Wednesday and it didn't work for me. That's not doing it. You can't have those Savoy's. (laughs) You can't have them. So doing the research helps build fortify your commitment to this way of eating. Doing the research and continually updating your research and also... Surrounding yourself with a positive community. So, yeah, I love talking to Shakul and I hope that you enjoy listening. And if you haven't yet subscribed to High Carb Health YouTube channel, go do that today. Give it a big thumbs up. Watch their videos. Have a look because they have so much great content to share with you. If you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, I put out new episodes every Monday slash Tuesday. And we are headed to episode 100. So if you would like to leave a comment after this video or a review over at iTunes or a rating over at iTunes or a review anywhere, um, it will just really help inspire me to get to that 100 because sometimes that helps. (laughs) That helps. That really helps. So thank you so much. And thank you so much for all your messages. And thank you so much for listening. And I hope that you enjoy Shakul and this interview. And Shakul, thank you so much for coming on the show. All right. See you next week. Bye. Hello, Shakul, and welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Corinne. Nice to be here.
0: Uh, I was so excited to have you on the show because I obviously interviewed chemise now I should go back and remember what the episode number is. Do you remember off I heart? I don't know what it is, but it's back, and I'll put it in the show notes chemise's episode because it is a really powerful episode that you should definitely check out uh if you if you or anyone you know has had ulcerative colitis it's a great it's just a it's such a great story and it's a great story even if you haven't had ulcerative colitis like it's it's really, really mind mind-blowing the power of the healing power of the body when you're so sick as Shamiz was to then recover your health in such a short time frame, really considering how sick that he was. But definitely go listen to it because I'm not doing it any justice. Check it out. Shamiz talking all about it. He's had the lived experience of being as unwell as what he was. And Shakul is Shamiz's brother and Partner in high carb health, which you'll I'll link in the show notes as well. And he'll talk about that in this episode as we go along. But I'm so happy to have you on the show because you've had your own journey with Shamiz, and I'd really love to hear it.
1: Uh, I was a typical meat eater, you know, grew up eating lots and lots of meat. I was born in India, so my, my dad's side had come, come from a like a Muslim background, so meat eating is quite a big part of our kind of culture. And uh so yeah, I mean I was a horrible eater to be honest, Corinne, like I had absolutely no idea. Uh, you know, I you know, used to work out, have my protein shakes, thought you could only get protein from from animals and um loved eating all the junk food, McDonald's, KFC, chocolate, everything, you know, you name it cheese was right on the top of the list. And um I guess I would be considered you know, I was pretty active. I used to play a lot of sport. I used to play representative badminton. I used to play cricket. So I wasn't, you know, I, you couldn't really tell by looking at me that I was unhealthy. I looked pretty fit. Um, went to the gym. <clears throat> so it was just, I guess, I didn't feel great most of the time. But I didn't really think much of it because, you know, every time you go to the doctor, they said, no, nothing really wrong with you. You know, I used to get headaches and things. I used to get sick a lot. Um, I had hay fever since I was fifteen, so you know, just the body was already telling me that stuff was, you know, things weren't great. But everybody else had problems too, so that's just what happens, isn't it? <laughs> that's just what happens, isn't it? You know, that's as you, as you, you know, as you get older, you just need to start taking medicines. That's what that's what everyone thinks. Um, so I didn't really think of it. I was on different types of medicine for hay fever. I was on medication for acne. Well also, I towards the last few years before I changed to a plant based diet, I started to get migraines quite regularly. So maybe like once or twice a month I'd get a really bad migraine. Uh it was you know, that that's the kind of headache that was so bad that, you know, when a painkiller doesn't really stop it, you just have to go to sleep. Um and I actually got one of those during an exam when I was studying for my masters, and that was that was horrendous. Um, and the, it really does. People don't realize, you know, like, and you don't talk about it. You know, from the outside, everything looked great, but from the inside, I was suffering.
0: Yeah, and with your migraines, people don't realize how. I think the people who have migraines know how bad migraines are, but people, other people, don't quite realize how severe migraines can be and debilitating.
1: Yeah, you just can't do. You just can't do anything. You can't think straight um i don't know how i passed that exam but somehow i did
0: Uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) just super brainy super brainy
1: um and yeah i mean you can't you can't think straight you can't do much you just the only thing the only thing that i could do when i got a migraine was try to go to sleep and wake up the next morning and it would generally be gone but really frustrating um so, I mean, my hay fever was horrible as well, you know. Um, every time spring came, I used to dread spring and summer. You know, it's, time, it's a time most people should look forward to, like weather's getting better and you're feeling, you know, like you should be getting outside and stuff, but I used to dread that. Uh, and, you know, there were nights where I'd go through a whole box of tissues um, because my nose would just be running all night and you could hardly sleep and you couldn't breathe and, you know, it was just, I wasn't chronically diagnosed with anything, so I was healthy.
0: It's interesting you say this, Shakul, because Ranjit, my husband, he had debilitating hay fever and he had it pretty much all year. Like it was worse in spring, but it was, it didn't care when it was winter or summer, it was just hay fever. And I used to call him like hanky man because he just had a hanky constantly and I got hay fever, my, I felt like allergies once. I, it could have been just a head cold. And I remember just once being, it wasn't, I was only irritated in my sinuses. And I just said to him, because often you get, you get kind of dismissive of hay fever. I Me, mean, I'm a mean wife. And I'm just like, oh, come on. just we have to, We've got to go to this family function. I don't care that you've got hay fever. Suck it up. But when I had that for one day, I said to him, oh, my God, I'm so Sorry. <laughs> It's so annoying <laughs> and it's just is it is. irritating and you can't think and your eyes are itchy and your nose. And it's hard. I can see why he's just like, oh, gosh, you know, we have to go to this party with your family. <laughs> I've got hay fever. <laughs> <laughs> and <I'm just> like, <laughs> yeah. suck it up, pal. Yeah. But, yeah, it's really, it is, even though it's not multiple sclerosis or ulcerative colitis, it's still des- it still definitely contributes to, a lack of quality of life.
1: Absolutely. You know, I think what's happening is, you know, obviously people will get diagnosed like you did and Shamiz did. But even people who are not, I find in my experience, they're still suffering. Like, we're not healthy. And and the reason for that is we don't live a healthy lifestyle. And I definitely didn't live a healthy lifestyle. Like, I did all the right things. I used to play a lot of sport. I used to, like, you know, I was fairly active. Um, And people equate fitness to health, but it's not. Um, you can be very fit and very unhealthy at the same time. And I was, I wouldn't say I was extremely fit, but I was quite active and, you know, um, played a lot of sport. And But I wasn't healthy on the inside. So uh, I guess definitely I didn't realize that my lifestyle was contributing to the way I felt. And I think um, that was the biggest change for me in that I realized after switching over. Um, and I'll explain to you that, you know, my story of how I switched over as well. But that, for me, was the biggest realization that I was contributing to that. While it sucks to think that you were contributing to that, it also is really empowering to realize that, you know, you can do something about it. You're not at the mercy of the drugs and the medical profession necessarily. And, you know, like you don't have to rely on that system to be healthy, Um And I think that's really important that most people need to be aware of that is that you need to take control of your own health if you want to be healthy. Like if you're in an acute situation or an emergency, then the best place to be is at the hospital. But, you know, apart from that, your lifestyle is the biggest determinant to how you're going to feel. And, you know, making those lifestyle changes is extremely important if you want to feel good. Um, And I think for me, I guess, obviously, you know, um, with Shamiz getting diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, that wasn't a real trigger for me to change, to be honest. Um, you know, I was in my I was in my conditioning. Um, I even remember talking to my parents one day and I asked them, oh, so when's he going to start eating normal food again? <laughs> and, um, you know, like I started doing a couple of things that he was doing. Like, you know, I was like juicing and sometimes I did some smoothies and stuff like that, but I was still eating everything um, that I was eating before. And I guess, um, yeah, so my story in terms of, I was what you would consider a healthy person in terms of the way society views health. But I guess if I was looking back on compared to how I feel now and um, that I haven't taken a single pill for six and a half years, not even a Panadol, um, you know, like coming from migraines, I haven't never, not taken a Panadol for six and a half years. Um, I can guarantee you that I was I was suffering. You know, oh, I'm, I forgot to mention I used to drink a lot too. So everything, you know, like yeah. alcohol. Um, The only thing I didn't really do was any kind of real drugs, but, you know, or smoking. But
0: Me either. I'm, I always say I'm kind of Christian when it comes to, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, not that, I, <laughs> not, that I, not that I'm bagging at anyone who is Christian, but that I, yeah. I know that people who are Christian are, aren't are very, I'm not Christian and I'm, you know, growing up as Gen X, I loved like Nirvana and, you know, grunge and all these things and my husband's a techno DJ, but where I'm so not into that. <laughs> so it's just very – people talk to me thinking that I should know all about it. I'm just like, uh, I'm a whole food plant, but I don't drink alcohol. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I really yeah, like yeah. peppermint tea, okay? It's <laughs> yes, as hard yeah. as I go. <laughs> yeah.
1: What do you want to drink? Peppermint tea. Thanks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I went to a bar. A friend asked me to a bar a little while ago, because I, I don't drink. And I just said, do you mind – like, I'm happy to come out with you, but I'm only going to be drinking tea. Is that okay? <laughs> so, so she she ordered. But it's funny because people change their behavior as a result. So she bought a pot of tea too. We just sat in the middle of this bar of oh. music and all this noise. And we're both like old ladies just drinking our pot of tea. <laughs> I said, we should just go to each other's houses to talk because this is very not productive for chatting.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I guess that's that was my kind of history and that's kind of where I was at up until the age of my late twenties. I think I changed about twenty seven. So yeah, I didn't feel twenty seven, I felt much older than that.
0: Mm. So you were twenty seven when you started to make the transition to a plant. I didn't right? just
1: make the transition, I did it overnight.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: And so
0: what was the clincher? So I'm hanging there wasn't, to find out. There wasn't
1: a clincher. It was just okay, so what happened was Shamiz was having um like this you know had colitis and he's a he's a bit more of a foodie than me like i i love like eating all sorts of different foods but i wasn't like i never had cravings or such like i have to eat this thing now whereas he's a bit more of a foodie in the way that you know like he likes to cook and he likes different foods and things like that whereas me i'm like not so much you know like if i'm cooking it's like okay whatever i can get together it's not like it doesn't have to be anything specific some days, if I was like having to make something, I would just like get that frozen fish fillets and chips from the freezer and chuck them in the oven, and that would be my dinner. You know, that's how lazy I was with food sometimes. Um, but um, yeah, so he had he had a bit more of a struggle with like he couldn't eat well. He wasn't not that he couldn't, but he shouldn't eat those foods because they made him feel bad. So I was in Australia, so I lived in Melbourne from two thousand and eight till two thousand fourteen Um, because I got transferred here from work. And so we're just going to visit him in 2012, visit the family for Christmas. And I knew he was having this trouble. So um, both my wife and I just decided, okay, well, we're visiting him. We're going to be there for three weeks. We'll just eat whatever he eats. Good. (laughs) Okay. That's Um,
0: really supportive. Yeah. That's so nice. I just
1: thought that, you know, like let's – it's only three weeks for us, you know, and I, I fully intended that I would probably go back and eat my normal diet, normal diet, you know, <laughs> so that's kind of where it started and I remember at the airport, at Melbourne airport, it was a morning flight and um, we were like, oh, we're not going to eat meat for three weeks, so we just had McDonald's for breakfast and that, that, was, our, <laughs> that was our mentality at the time, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to go home and get McDonald's on the way out of the airport as well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um and so that that was um, where where it kind of started. And so when we got to New Zealand, we just started eating plant based, and it wasn't really new to us because you know parts of my mother, mother's family are vegetarian, so we're used to eating like plant based foods. And we went to India and things like that. But you know, it was, we didn't do, really do it for long periods periods of time ever. Um, and so yeah, we just started eating really simple foods, and I got major withdrawals. <laughs> Um, you know, my body started to how did you feel? I felt pretty rubbish for the first week. Um, you know, oh, I didn't mention caffeine, I was addicted to caffeine as well. Um, so, uh, I know there's a lot of conflicting stuff around coffee, and you know, there's some good things about it, but after I went through that withdrawal, I, I don't know if it's you know, if I had a-
0: yeah, I don't drink co- I don't drink my husband has two a day, but everyone I everyone you meet is hooked on coffee. And I still think if my if my girlfriend she gets a migraine if she doesn't have one for like there you in, go yeah. to the space of a day yeah.
1: yeah and so you know based on our understanding of the body and things like that it is a drug you know it's the last legal drug you can get and there are withdrawals from it so there's things about it that aren't good and so yeah I don't really recommend um, caffeine to my clients at all and I don't consume it either I think it's made a huge difference to the way I feel my Overall energy levels, um, you know, it does it does overwork your adrenals, you know, when you get when you put that caffeine through your system, and it does, you know, there's there's some information showing that it does work through the same neural pathways as cocaine as well. So,
0: it's not. I I drank it in year twelve, and that was it for me. Year twelve, I drank it to get iced coffee, <laughs> like the worst kind, <laughs> iced coffee to get my essays done in year twelve, yep. and oh, yeah. then yeah. and then I never had it again, like I, I can't, I had, look, I had to work at Starbucks for five months and I had to taste test the stuff to sell to people. And I, they'd always say, what does it taste like? And like it tastes like burnt coffee. Like <laughs> I can't describe it in a romantic way to sell this product because to me it's just gross, but everyone loves it. And I'm glad that you don't promote it. Cause I just think it, if it gives you a migraine, if you don't have it, then it's, something something's not quite right yeah something's not right
1: and I never really liked the taste of coffee on its own um I had to always like put lots of sugar in it to make it taste good for me and now I I still consider myself an addict because like I think once you've kind of got to that point and uh, I didn't drink a huge amount like one or two a day but I still think I just had to have it you know and I got to the point where I would um like I got you know, I learned how to make it with the, from like a barista, like froth the milk and all that kind of stuff. Um, so you know, it's kind of I was pretty, pretty keen on it. Yeah. Uh, what's my train of thought
0: there? Sorry, talking about coffee. So you, when you went to chemises, sh- you had to detox from coffee and McDonald's <laughs> yeah. and alcohol and meat
1: and dairy and eggs.
0: Yes. All in everything one fell day.
1: Yep, everything happened at once. So yeah, so I basically had a headache for a week.
0: <laughs> yeah, gosh. Was your wife the same? Was she?
1: Mm, I think she definitely had some withdrawals, but she was uh, she was much healthier than I was at the time. She was already like starting to go pescatarian at that point. Um, so she was already like starting to go off meat um, already because um, she used to always get like lots of stomach issues every time she had dairy. And I don't think she's alone in that. So, so many people I talk to just you know, they still do it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know. I know. Yep. So you had that first week where you were detoxing and horrendous. Yep.
1: Um, yeah. And then on the seventh day, I think like what would happen is I wake up I'd feel fine, but around eleven AM I'd just start to get this this dull headache and it just last for the rest of the day. And yeah, I just felt a bit tired and stuff like that. So but, uh, on the seventh day, I just remember it so clearly, like, it was just like this fog lifted from my head and everything was clear. Like, I was just like, it was just like, phew, like my eyes were open and, you know, it was just, it was just so incredible because I remember just, you know, turning my head and not having any kind of like fuzziness or, you know, like that kind of like that weird feeling that you get in your head where you, you know, like it hurts almost like you can't like move your head fast and i was just like wow like just like this mental clarity it was just an amazing amazing moment and i'll just i'll never forget that for the (laughs) for the rest of my life how good that felt and i just thought it has to be something to do with what i'm eating and obviously i knew that you know obviously Shamiz had gotten so much better by changing his diet so i started to read about a plant-based diet i just started researching about it i was like Know, if I'm gonna you know what's going on, I need to know more about this and so that's what I started doing. so I started reading like the China study
0: good place to start
1: yeah that was that was one of the first um, book I read um actually my first foray into this was actually raw food so I read you know like Dr. Klein's book he talks a lot about raw food. I read eighty ten ten diet by Dr. Douglas Graham and
0: yeah, it's a good book, that book yeah it's a
1: good book. yeah, it's a good book Uh, and so I kind of like that's how I kind of got into it and you know I tried. I tried raw veganism for a few months, and I felt physically I felt incredible, uh, but I struggled a bit with it mentally, so I didn't really keep it up.
0: I, I struggled with eight with 80, 10, 10 and I think it's fell in our cold climates. Like most people who I see really thriving fully raw all the time, they don't have a winter. Because <laughs> I found here you got apples, dates, and bananas. And oranges in winter and they're beautiful but I felt so cold in my core all day that I couldn't get warm but I do love I do recommend I still think it's a great great, great way to eat it's just that for me personally I yeah get very unhappy and cold
1: I, I think if I'd grown up that way I probably wouldn't have minded so much but I think I'm like mentally I missed some of the foods that I'd grown up eating and I couldn't replicate them with raw food necessarily And so I still eat a huge amount of raw food. Like if anyone follows us on Instagram, um, they'll see the amount of raw food that we eat. Um, But I do think that it has helped me mentally. Like um, I think physically I probably still felt better when I was fully raw. Um, But I just feel better about myself and I feel better about the fact that I can go out and have dinner with some friends sometimes, you know, and things like that, which I couldn't really do back then. So... But yeah, it was a really good like, interesting introduction, taught me a lot of self-discipline and really like changed my attitude to food. I thought it was a really good thing to do for a short period of time where I kind of like stopped seeing food as a craving or as a like as an entertainment, you know, like so many people do.
0: I'm still guilty of finding it entertaining. I, listen, I, I, I love speaking to Andrew Taylor because he always makes me feel like, all right, Corinne, stop <laughs> thinking of it as entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'll get joy from other places. I won't need to get joy on my plate.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I think, yeah, I, I do sometimes see it as entertainment, but I don't feel like I, you know, I'm not in that, in that zone where, you're looking for something, you know, like you know, whereas in the past it would be I needed a can of Coke at this time or I needed a Snickers bar. Um because you know, and then it already helped a lot with what what we consider emotional eating. Like if you feel down, like you're just easy to binge on something that's not good. And you couldn't do that when you were raw, you know, like that was um so that really taught me a lot um about myself really. And um I healed so much in that time. I lost, I did a, I did a big detox. Um, and, you know, like people talk about detox. I don't think about it in the same way as a lot of people do. People really see detox as a very taboo word. I don't think it is, I think. But it depends how you go about doing it, you know. Like um, if you're just allowing the natural organs of elimination to do their job, I think of detox as putting less toxins in than what comes out. I don't see it as taking some kind of special program or some kind of tea or, you know, stuff like that, that, you know, like people try to do all those special things. It's not not nothing special. It's just living healthy and allowing your body to work properly. And then if you've got toxins inside of you, the body will remove them. And that's what I consider to be. And that's kind of what we teach on our, on our program anyway. It's just about how to heal the body naturally. Um, And part of that is removing toxic matter. You know, you can't, discount that you know we live very toxic lifestyles in today's society so
0: yeah and a lot of the toxins are unavoidable like our air our air quality you know the things that you come in contact with you know our car seats our you know the clothing there's mm-hmm. so many way, where, where places where it is and so for some people i've met in my in my own journey are like there's toxins everywhere you can't avoid it and you're like Surely yeah. you can try and reduce it because <laughs> obviously my body <laughs> yeah. and Shamu's body and even your body are saying this is too much. Yeah. And then when you put those cleaner foods in, those whole plant-based foods in, and you notice a big difference, why, you know, it, to me it's makes complete sense that if you can reduce them, there's places where we can't reduce them, but where we can reduce them, Obviously, it's better for our health to do so. Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. And so, and the other thing about that is that the biggest contact you have with the environment is the food you eat. You know, it's the outside environment inside your body, and so that's going to play one of the biggest roles in the levels of you know, like you, you're starting to see some of this research come out now where the toxicity or the food if it doesn't digest properly it can start to ferment and putrefy in your gut and this can create um, what they call you know, that leaky gut kind of situation and that introduces endotoxins into your body. And, and yeah, um, so we have been moving, been, you know, like kind of teaching this for a little while now, but it was really interesting when Dr. Barnard was talking about it in at the conference in Melbourne, he's talking about endotoxins and how they're entering our bloodstream and things like that. And, You know, they are, and we need to get them out of our system. And um, if we don't make a change, then they're not going to come out. We're just going to keep introducing more and more of these into our bodies. I just found that the research was a huge thing for me, Um, understanding the science behind it, understanding that you can get all your nutrition from plants, because before that it was all about protein and, you know, that kind of stuff for me, like, you know, total pro science. I think from that point of view, if you're someone that, like I'm I'm an I'm an all or nothing person, so this is a great way for me to do it. I think if I was transitioning, I'd probably fall into bad habits and just have like you know done a done like made some positive changes and then kind of like slip back into my old habits. So whereas the the major difference that I saw was was night and day in the way I felt and yeah everything felt better like my muscles everything just felt better um, and. And that was just in a week, you know, and then it just kept getting better from there.
0: And so you were researching whilst you were in that in that three weeks. And then
1: and then I kept going after that and I felt like I was just reading so much that I was like, oh, I might as well study it. <laughs> you know, like I never, I didn't expect to be doing what I'm doing now, but I was like, well, if I'm reading this much anyway, I might as well do some study and because I was kind of on that raw path, I studied at the University of Natural Health initially. And then we did some more study at um, with Dr. Klein's Academy. Um, after that as well, it was fascinating what, what you know, just to learn how much of a difference um, the body can make when you give it the right conditions to heal itself. And so that was, and then yeah, that just strengthened my resolve. You know, I was like, I already feel better um, now. Like, hey, I, and I think the biggest thing for me because I was still pretty young, you know. Um, and I still am <laughs> not really old, but um, one of the massive uh, motivating factors for me was, I guess, looking at what happens to people when they get older, you know. And I figured if I keep doing what everyone else does, I will get the same outcomes that everyone else gets, and which means that by the time I'm forty or fifty, I'm going to be on some kind of prescription medication, and by the time I'm sixty or seventy my quality of life is shot to the point where I really can't do much.
0: Exactly.
1: That was a huge like motivating factor for me is that I don't want to be on medications when I get older and I, I want to be able to move around. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I don't care when I die, like if it's 70 or 60 or 80 or 100 or whatever it is. I just want my life to be quality. And and I think, I don't know who said this. When I was watching a video, or maybe it was Dr. Greg who said this, he said that um you know it doesn't matter when i die i just don't want it to be my fault <laughs> <You know laughs> you
0: know that's pretty true i always say i want to live to 120 quality not yeah, quantity yeah. but because but, yeah. i just love life but
1: yeah, exactly. if i had to,
0: i don't i don't really mind when the end is as long as it's not my fault that's such a great way of saying it. and i was talking to my mum this morning cuz they're not wendy you're a problem, but um, they're not whole food, plant based. My parents, and they've got all these ailments, and all their friends have got all these ailments, and all their you know they're in their sixties, and their friends are in their seventies, and everyone's got chronic illness of some kind in their group. And I said, so it boggles my brain, mum and dad, that I have got night night. You're know, the ninety second episode of this podcast. of so people who are blind who can see again, people who term it six months to live. All these stories on here of people who were absolutely effed and mm. and now <laughs> thriving, mm. and you guys aren't even anywhere near as sick as most people who have been on my show have been. You know the answer, because. There's 92 episodes saying the answer, and yet you're like, oh, let's just follow all of my friends off a cliff and just bump our head <laughs> on the rocks yeah. all the way down <laughs> with them. <laughs> yeah,
1: why? Yeah.
0: It's astounding. I mean, look, it's astounding. look when I
1: when I read, she just laughed evidence, like
0: she wasn't. As yeah, ended.
1: yeah. I mean, when I read the evidence, like once you know, you can't unknow. You know, and I think that's one of the things. Like if you if you if you're If you haven't, like, done the research, I I recommend you read the China study. Read Dr. Esselstyn's book about arresting heart disease. Read Start Solution by Dr. McDougall, you know. But when I realized that, hey, I can live a life and I never have to get a heart attack. I can live a life and I don't have to get diabetes. Hey, I can prevent the majority of all cancers Uh, and, obviously, um, autoimmune my brothers reverse it, you reverse it. So we've helped hundreds of people reverse it. Um, You know, um, it's, it's your lifestyle that's causing these things. And if you change your lifestyle, you change your health outcomes. And so for me, it was like, that was a huge motivation. Like not just how I feel now, because I felt so much better already, but I don't want to feel like I'm, you know, deteriorating faster than I need to be. And I want to still be able to do things with, you know, if I have grandkids with my grandkids, you know,
0: exactly. like I want to be,
1: you know, and interestingly how you mentioned, you know, like, okay, so, you know, heart disease, preventable and reversible, diabetes, preventable and reversible, you know, cancer, preventable and re- some of them reversible. When you're talking about your parents, I, I, find it, I find it interesting that, you know, like, okay, you've reversed a debilitating autoimmune condition and, you know, which is, you know, and, and, you know, everyone, everyone's on their own journey, so it's, it's not about judging, you know, and, and in the way that, you know, like when they're ready, they'll make a change. My parents are in their sixties. Okay. And they changed to a plant-based diet. My dad didn't do it fully straight away, but basically he was 99% plant-based, um, for most of the last six years. Uh, and now, I think after it took him, like, five years to fully stop eating meat. Like, he would just eat meat when he went out with his friends sometimes. They're the only two people in their whole friend circle that aren't on any prescription medication. Yes. Okay? They're well into their 60s now, you know, and they don't take medication. All their blood reports come out pretty good. Um, And, you know, I want to be like that.
0: (laughs) Exactly. I think from my parents, because my brother died, I think that that's a big – they don't say it, but I think that they both – have lost that drive to live because they've lost a child, and I can understand. I love, as I love the thought of losing one of my children, I don't think I would be the same, yeah, ever again. But I, I think that that is, they 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 don't always like. I've mentioned it to them twice. I said, I think that you would be if the three of us were still alive. I think that you'd be much more open to adopting this way of eating. But I think because you lost Brett and it was so horrible, I think that that's taken away some of their I think that they're like if we die in their mind they get to see Brett sooner you know and that wouldn't be that bad I think that's partly wh- what their logic is like dead or alive it's fine with them because they get to see yeah. Him, yeah be with one of us that's what their thinking is I think that that's part of it but I think I, I love I would love it if mm. they were like your parents and they try <laughs> but they're mm. they're
1: not there yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah it's interesting isn't it like when I when I because, you know, obviously we get clients that have had, like, issues, family issues and things like that as well. And I always – I, I try to put myself in that position because, you know, like even being a vegan, like, you put yourself into that position of the animals. Um, but, like, it's if you want to understand – you'll never understand it fully, right? But if you want to try and understand it to the best of your ability, um, you try and put yourself in that position of the person that you're thinking of. And I think of, say – um like I've just lost a family my grandma just passed away recently um and she was suffering from dementia and she just had no quality of life for the last 10 years so it wasn't like well obviously I'm very sad that she's not with us anymore but realistically she wasn't with us for the last you know six or seven years in a way I'm relieved I'm almost relieved that she doesn't have to suffer anymore as much as I'm sad to have lost her um because I was quite close to her and my grandparents but um I think I think if I put myself in her shoes, what would she want for me? What would the person who's passed on want for you? And they would surely want you to live to the best of your ability, to have the best quality of life. And, you know, I think they would, you know, like anybody would want for your parents would be like to live as happily and healthily as they can.
0: Exactly. And Brett would definitely have wanted them to live happy and healthy. Exactly. Sure. Exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. You know? So that's kind of where I, you know, when people talk to me or that kind of thing, I think, well, what would that person have wanted for you? Would they want you to suffer, you know, or would they want you to be happy? And I'm sure, <laughs> guarantee you, they want you to be happy, you know. And that's that's the main, that's the thing. I think it really kind of helps
0: to think of it that way. It's so true. It's a very good way of looking at it. So when you first made this transition and start, and not transition, you switched overnight. When you first did this non-transition, <laughs> you just all or nothinged into this way of eating. How did you go? Because it was, I guess it's great because you had your wife and your brother and your parents on side. Yeah. yeah but yeah, yeah. the wider community can be difficult. And I think yeah. a lot of people find it with work or with friends that their pushback makes them just go, oh, okay. Well, I'm at this person's house now and they've made me a lasagna full of cheese and minced meat." And I should just eat it because they didn't know. I just switched overnight to vegan. How do you go? How did you go initially with those situations?
1: First of all, I had a really strong resolve because I felt heaps better and I did my research straight away. Okay? Uh, so I knew what those things were doing physiologically in my body. It wasn't just like I've just made the switch and someone's told me to do it, so I've done it. I had to – you know, I'm pretty – I'm the kind of person that really needs to know why why I'm doing something. And that's what I like to teach my clients, as not just what to do, but why you're doing it. Um, and so that, that for me was a big, big deal. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, socially it can be a bit difficult, but uh, what we found was that instead of going to people's houses, we'd invite them over initially and we'd just make them plant-based food. Uh, Or if we had to go somewhere, we would take our own, uh, and so that's kind of like, it kind of takes away that thing that, oh, I've got nothing to eat. Um, Always, um, you know, it's not my saying, but I I, I try and live by it, like if you don't prepare, then prepare to fail. it's
0: such a good saying, I love that saying.
1: Yeah, I just made sure I was always prepared, (laughs) I was always prepared for the worst possible outcome, and so therefore I'd never find myself in a situation. Where I couldn't eat the way I wanted to eat, and I just tell people I've, I've made the switch. Like you know, even when I went out with friends, because I used to go drinking with my friends, I just told them I've I've quit, <laughs> and that and that just and that just builds a whole lot of respect. I found like if you tell people oh I've just cut down, you'll get peer pressure into drinking, whereas if you tell people you've quit, they're like oh we can respect that.
0: Yeah, interesting. And so the drinking part you found wasn't that difficult if. But just the way you framed it to your friends.
1: I think it's the way you perceive things. You know, if you worry about what people think of you, then you're going to really fall into that trap of, Hey, what if, if I don't do this, what's someone going to think of me? Or is it's not as, you know, you're not stopping them from doing anything. Like if they want to go and drink, they can drink. You know, if you're going to, if I go to a pub with someone, I'm not going to be like, Oh, you shouldn't be drinking. You do what you want in a way, but I'm not going to drink. Cause I know it's, and the science tells me that zero is best. <laughs> you know, the studies show you that, you know, there's no level safe um, level of alcohol consumption. And people say, oh, that's extreme. Oh, drinking poison is pretty extreme. You know, like, that's what alcohol is. So, you know, just because it's been socially accepted, if you put a different a lens on what it is, you know, I think I read somewhere, like, it was in, while I was still drinking, I read somewhere that if, if alcohol was invented today, it would be like, classed as a, something like a class 5 poison or a toxin or something like that. And they'd probably ban it. <laughs> you know, they'd be like, you know, this is not healthy. And, and there isn't anything really healthy about it.
0: I like this topic. I'd like to have a whole episode about alcohol because I think that it is something, I'm not going to obviously, but I think it is something that is so socially accepted. Like you say, when like, a plant based diet isn't socially accepted in a lot of ways, and one is so detrimental to our health and one is so health-promoting. It is mind-boggling to me that people can go out and will go out every night and poison themselves so that they can numb. I read this quote today, actually, and I think it's perfect. Just that, you know, you're filling this void in your soul with alcohol, you know, this way of making yourself feel... More relaxed and uninhibited, and all these things that can help you let go. And even Ranjit, we had a, we had a glass of wine recently. And we never drink, and he's socially he gets a bit. Sorry, Ranjit, I'm adding you on this podcast, and I know you hate when I do that. <laughs> <laughs> but he gets unco- nervous and uncomfortable around strangers. He's an introvert, and he finds talking in to new people nerve wracking.
1: Yep, I'm. Yeah, I was like that. I was. I just had to force myself out of my comfort
0: zone. Yeah. Well, yeah. But he had a glass of wine yeah, recently. Yeah. It's, 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 it's,
1: it's, it's not easy.
0: It's, it's not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy. But he did this recently. And he had a glass of red wine, and he, we, don't, we don't both don't drink. And he said, "I can say why people do drink because I did feel more relaxed." Yeah. You do. When I yeah, you had you do, that yeah. glass of wine to chat with these people, it was just my brother and his husband. <laughs> But to Ranjit, that's a huge crowd of strangers.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: no. Sorry, Ranjit.
1: Yeah, I mean, I remember, I remember when I was at uni, we'd go out to have dinner with friends, and I just wouldn't talk. <laughs> I was too scared of. I was too scared.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. really difficult for people like yourself and anxiety. Ranjit because I get the opposite. Whereas I, ner- I, my anxiety comes out as talking. Yeah. Okay. And then I go home and have worse anxiety thinking about all the things I wish I could have re- retracted <laughs> from my mouth. As different, my anxiety comes out and do, expresses in itself in a yeah. different way. Yeah. But his comes out in silence. And so when you're out with Ranjit, people will say, you do all the talking for Ranjit. And I'll say to Ranjit, do you want to do the talking? He's like, no, you keep talking. I don't want to do any uh. of the talking. <laughs> like, He thinks it's a great relationship. It is tricky. It is tricky. Yeah,
1: I think um, my wife and I have a similar <laughs> relationship where she likes talking. Although it's kind of like evened out a bit. I just, you know, I've I've done a lot of spiritual work. I think
0: it does help.
1: That's something that that's another topic. But um, you know, talking about, and we'll probably talk about it soon around you know the gut health and stuff like that. But um, a, a study recently came out from Harvard, and they were talking about how the way you think affects the way your body digests food. You know, so that's really like made me like review a lot. I was already starting on that journey, I've been on that journey since I was 15. Um, Because I, you know, it really was debilitating at one point for me.
0: Your thinking?
1: The thinking, the anxiety, the social awkwardness, all that stuff. And um, I I just had to find ways to overcome it and face my fears. And when I did that, I realized it wasn't really that bad. (laughs) um... And I think
0: that's a whole that's a whole (laughs) podcast there, Shakul. Because for Ranjit, he has now he does, it has evened out because he has gotten into, you know, daily meditation and and it just the daily meditation alone has had such a big impact on his anxiety levels and on how comfortable he feels speaking in public but it is something that you do have to push yourself out of your comfort zone and he will say the more he gets uncomfortable and everyone will say the more you get uncomfortable the more, you have the, to. more you grow. the more you grow more
1: mm. you grow yeah the more you grow yep maybe we doing a big tension maybe we can bring it back we'll,
0: in. <laughs> we'll, we'll weave it back in now
1: we're back in uh, yeah so the mental aspect and then that you know how that comes into digestion yes. as well so
0: let's go into digestion while we're
1: yeah, let's let's talk about digestion because that was also a huge thing thing that I noticed that changed for me was the way I was able to digest the food and you know I think we were talking before we started around bowel motions and things like that. No one really wants to talk about that, but they're so much better and um and they don't smell. There's so many good things that that happened, you know, and I think what what happened from there is because I we did the research and the study and things like that. Uh, I was just talking to Shemise and I'd already started a YouTube channel and, you know, I was, again, like, you know, we're talking about stepping outside my comfort zone and and that's helped me massively with public speaking because when you have to stare at yourself and edit videos of yourself talking on a camera, (laughs) you really notice all the little things that you don't do well. (laughs) I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect by any means, but, you know, like I used to have a fear of public speaking. Now I love it. You know, just things that you can, and you have control over that, you can change that if you want to, but, uh, so, we started talking about, hey, you know, we've got this YouTube channel, maybe we should just start doing videos about your story, Shemise, and how, you know, you healed, and so we started doing that, and then we realized, maybe we should help people, you know, because we had this knowledge now, and we have studied it, and, you know, I was like, should I really keep this to myself, and I didn't want to
0: (laughs) I'm so glad you didn't
1: and so we felt like we had an obligation to try and help so initially we just started doing YouTube videos about the topic and just our experiences and things like that and at some point you know we started getting people asking us you know can you help me with this so it kind of just went from there and we thought maybe we should try and give it a go like you know take a risk and drop everything (laughs) um you know Shamiz was already out of work because he just recovered from his colitis, uh, and for me it was much harder. Okay, I just bought a house, and uh, I was doing pretty well in my corporate career. You know, to the point where I had a company car, I was making a good amount of money. Um, you know, uh, and my wife was doing really well too. Um, so that was a big thing for us to kind of say, oh, well, do we want to give up on this and all the money and, you know, everything like that. But it, when I asked myself the question, I was like, I looked at my, my life and I was like, do I want to keep doing this for the next 40 years, maybe 45 years? And the answer was not really. Uh, and I wanted to travel, I wanted to have a bit of flexibility. And so, yeah, I quit <laughs> and it was hard, you know, but luckily uh, we have very supportive parents and they took us in and so we lived with them for four years while we kind of set up the consultancy and tried to get things going from that side of things and um, yeah, it seems like we must have done something right because <laughs> we ended up doing all right. I mean, obviously it's still tough at times, but yeah, it's just it's just rewarding helping people and so you know, just started with you know a few clients so you know every couple of months to now we get somewhere between 8 and 10 clients every month now so it just it just it just really the most amazing thing is when you, you know you see someone get their life back and they've healed and you know what that's like <laughs> you can you can't put any number of dollars on that um and so the the i guess the fulfillment I get from what I do outweighs the fact that I've financially I had to sacrifice a huge amount to do what we're doing now but yeah it's just it's i'll do it a hundred times over you know it's just i'd do it all over again yeah well,
0: you're paying it forward and i think for me it's the same where it's out there <laughs> and you i had my own career and life and yeah. i'm sacrificing mm-hmm. it all to do this because i want you feel it feels i don't know There's this feels hollow to be feel as good as i feel and not pass on that Good feeling to other people.
1: Exactly, exactly. So, uh, so that's what we did, and, and yeah, you know, high carb health. Obviously, we that's that's what we do. And
0: everyone follow high carb health on <laughs> social media. Go to their website. It's
1: a funny story. Like, it took us. We had a lot of we had a lot of um, discussions around the name because you know at that time, paleo low carb was all the rage, and it's changing now. Like. Um, I remember I went to this. We went and talked at a few expos in New Zealand initially, and everywhere we looked, there was like paleo this, paleo that. And then three years later, it was like one paleo store.
0: Wow.
1: And there was like these four or five vegan stalls, and like it was just changing. And uh, yeah, so I think people have already like gone off the paleo bandwagon. That's already done and dusted the next one's keto and that's even more dangerous So more fat and more saturated fat and um that's you know people it's just one of those other diets that has no scientific backing but people love to hear good things about their bad habits and so
0: yes they do and so you've had a baby in this time as well
1: yes i was going to talk about that please talk
0: about your beautiful baby daughter daughter yes her name's
1: her name sorry yes alia alia
0: oh lovely
1: yeah and um yeah she's my little doll (laughs) uh, she's just incredible like yes it's probably the hardest thing you'll ever do and you probably know that (laughs) guaranteed the hardest thing you ever do but also the most rewarding thing you'll ever do at the same time um so i don't know i don't know how that even works like how you comprehend that it's the most rewarding and the hardest thing that you'll ever do at the same time there's so many things that go on with that but um yeah, we're really blessed. She's happy. She's healthy. She's fully plant-based. And,
0: and so has she been fully plant-based since conception?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And she's thriving.
1: And you see stuff coming in the media where people sensationalize vegan parents and things like that. But I've just written an article for the New Zealand Vegan Society, and it's around not about how you can get all your nutrition on the vegan diet for kids. It's about what are they not getting? by going on a vegan diet and what are they not getting lifestyle diseases okay and and, then the research from and this was a huge thing for me like i want her to have the best quality of life as anybody would for any of their children and so she was uh exclusively breastfed until the age of uh, 11 months nearly 10 11 months because we talked to dr Clapper, and he said try a name for 12 months (laughs) so it was we're like okay we tried but then she started pointing at food and (laughs) <laughs> you know, we were just like okay 11 months is pretty close um but she's still breastfed now she's almost two and she's still good and I think you you've got a similar yeah. story where you were breastfeeding for
0: 100 years 100 years we we're just talking about 100, 100, years. 100 years the breastfed for nearly seven years combined <laughs> exactly, oh my goodness <laughs> exactly so. and I think
1: it's hands down the best thing you can do for your kids like you know breastfeeding is amazing and We see the benefits of that. In two years, she's been sick once. We took it a step further. We fed her a raw diet until about a month ago, and we just started to introduce cooked foods to her diet now. So she was raw vegan until nearly two
0: hats off you 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 you're, you you beat me it's a competition <laughs> it's not about, and you beat me
1: <laughs> it's not about winning um, <laughs> she, as long as she was happy to yes. do it you know um we were happy to carry on and she never complained and and i feel like because because we did that we go to a few parents groups and people are like oh i just can't get my kids to eat veggies and Ali's like like before I can even cook the broccoli, she's asking me for the raw stuff, and she's like biting on it and stuff like that. You know. I
0: know, and that's tricky because a lot of parents say that to me or say that in general. And like my kids last night are begging me for sauerkraut and kim, you know, and kimchi, <laughs> and they want spicy kimchi on their veggies, on their steamed broccoli, and it's not because I ram it in their face; it's just because. They're exposed to it all the time. It's just part of life. They're not seeing me go, Oh, this is gross. I'll give you a donut as soon as you've eaten this yak broccoli. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. No, the broccoli is the broccoli the
0: is the, the, the hero <laughs> of this dish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
1: exactly. And you know, in our research you learn that taste is a learned behavior. And so and also the human mind is wired in a way that you're gonna be attracted to the most calorically dense food that you're you've been given exposure to. So if you've been given exposure to things that are way more calorically dense and higher in fat and uh, you know, lots of um what we call excitotoxins in the flavorings. Um in the flavorings, why would you want broccoli? Exactly.
0: So read the read the pleasure trap. Read the pleasure trap because yeah yeah, that
1: yeah, read the really pleasure well. trap. Absolutely. And
0: I think what you're saying is so important because women, we're to- we're fed everywhere in Hollywood movies and all those things. When you're pregnant, eat for two or 20 or whatever. Even though it's like 200 grams extra you're supposed to eat, 200 calories extra that you yeah. actually need, but yeah. we're eating for two. And then I remember when I was pregnant with Iggy and I wasn't vegan and I wasn't, I was eating for multiple sclerosis, but I'd read like one study that suited my bad habits, which was that MS goes into remission yeah. when you're pregnant. So I was like, wow, right. now it's on. I'm going to eat everything because MS is in remission right now. <laughs> and so I just, with Iggy, I I ate everything. Like, hor- I'm so, I feel so bad for poor Iggy because so my midwife kept saying, you're drip feeding that food to your unborn baby. And I kept blocking my ears because I hadn't read the pleasure trap and I had no idea about this re- the research that you're talking about that we both know about now. And so I just thought every craving needed to be satisfied, and I would satisfy it with the, the high calorie, high excitotoxin, high fat, salt, sugar, refined flour food. And I was had a not as good pregnancy. I was tired. I was depressed. I was, you know, I was.
1: Yeah. It was
0: exhausting, and I gained an extra eight kilos over what they recommend you gain during pregnancy for Iggy's pregnancy. And then, with Theo came along, I knew all of what we're talking about. I got that Mm. same craving Mm. immediately for raspberry short. I was vegan though, raspberry shortbread biscuits and apple pie and vanilla ice cream. And I thought, I drove to Safeway in my car, and I. A bit into the big I bought yes. the I bought it all. I drove I was five weeks pregnant, only five weeks. So I was like yeah. Just done the test. <laughs> This is this is my <laughs> chance to eat all that junk food, and I drove. Yeah. I ate five biscuits in the car park, and then I said, "Corinne, is this what you, this is the road you want to go down?" When you know the research, and so I walked it all over to the bin yeah. and put it in the bin, and I said, "Look, my 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 cravings are literally coming from my brain, knowing that that's the high cal- caloric foods. Right. They're the vegan versions because I was vegan, so I definitely wasn't gonna go yeah. off vegan, but I." Yeah went yes. got them and then I was like I could, I can eat dates and peanut butter if I'm desperate, and make mm-hmm. a better cho- yeah. make a better choice than these foods that my baby doesn't want, my body doesn't want, that are no good for me. So, but it does take exactly. a long. That was you know it does. Sometimes you just the exactly. research yeah. so helps. So reading the pleasure trap, I think, such a mm. great step.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think I think it's well worth the read, uh, and so, I think well she hasn't been exposed to it, and her favorite thing right now is. Um, date balls, like with almond, like just three ingredients, date balls, almond meal, and cardamom. And she will eat like five, six of them at once, you know, like, you know, and then she loves broccoli, potato chips, like, and we've just been introducing new things, like she's had some rice and some dal recently, and she's had peas, and she, you know, like she's starting to learn how to say them, and, you know, like, she's like, peas, peas, and it's just so cute. Um, and And so she loves the food that she's been exposed to and i think as parents it's our duty to make sure that we feed kids our kids something that they're gonna you know that and i don't feel like and i want to show my my example to her like i don't want to be eating one thing and then saying no you can't eat that because it's unhealthy and then like dad why are you eating it you know or drinking or that smoking or all that kind of stuff like i don't you know i probably wouldn't have thought that way before but for me now it's it's such a big deal to be that example for her.
0: Absolutely. I think that that's so good because you're, you know, you, we are, I think a lot of parents think that they can You know, these lollies are for just us, this chocolate's for mummy and daddy at bedtime or this Coke is just yeah. for dad, you know, this beer or whatever. Yeah. And it does send yeah. such a mixed message because you're their idol. You're the person that they're like, exactly. oh, dad, what you, you're you the God of my world. And these, exactly. these foods are your secret treats to yourself. So that sends a huge message that those foods, when I grow up, are going to be my secret treats to myself.
1: Exactly, exactly. And I don't think we realize that's how the, the psychology works, you know. And so a big, big part of what we want to do with her is really – and she loves the food, you know. So – and she's growing well and there's there's no evidence to show that, I mean – that that a vegan diet. I mean, even the American Dietetics Association has said that, all well, cha- they've changed their name now, the Academy of Diet Nutrition and Dietetics, or something else. Like all stages of life. Mm,
0: mm, mm. I think it's so like it's, obviously it's very convenient for our media to push out the stories about vegan babies getting getting unwell, but any. Baby can that's that's neglected or undernourished can get sick, and there's there's many of that I happening how many all stories the there time.
1: Are. I wonder how many stories there are. of The same thing happening to someone who's not a vegan parent, and no one hears about it. And there's probably like a hundred times more cases like that, but the one vegan case a year gets pushed into the media. You know. And it's nothing to do with being vegan. It's like the, it was it was neglect. It's
0: neglect. And that's and not, often not it's me- yeah. parents with mental health problems as well that need yeah. support. Yeah, exactly. I, think, I agree. And I worked in child protection for not that long, but long enough for child protection, 15, 15, 15 hellish months. <laughs> in that, in my – I worked in intake, so we took all of the reports for – you know, of neglect and abuse and kids at risk um, for all the eastern region, and we had the the lowest reporting region in Victoria. So we didn't have as many reports as anywhere else. In that, there's still thousands of reports coming in a year, and in those reports, I, I never saw one report about a vegan child. You know, a vegan sick child, and I know that that across the state, there would that, that just that doesn't happen you know there's just that's just a, a very an anomaly that gets pushed into the cuz it's cuz it's clickbait
1: yeah it's clickbait that's all it is and um it's been amazing to see how well she's doing we don't have to worry about her getting sick we just don't have to worry about things you know like she's just she just you know gets on with it you know and and i think like i know we went to thailand and she was sick for 2 days and she had a fever for two days, and that was the only time I think. And then when we came back to Melbourne, she was sick for half a day, and that was it. Like in two years, that's it.
0: It's it's, and people don't. Cause when you say oh, my kids never sick, and I think lots of lots of parents say that, and yeah. they're just kind of exaggerating that they're never sick. Yeah. But Iggy's had two. He got too much earwax twice. That's all he's had. Yeah. I think he's had <laughs> he's had two blocked the ears because he just couldn't hear out of them properly yeah. from earwax and then we learned not to clean them <laughs> like that just best to let it come out rather than cramming it in with yeah cotton
1: buds. push them back in
0: <laughs> uh when he was a baby when he was like two i'm like i think he's deaf. Yeah. <laughs> he's just clogged <laughs> with the wax but he's had nothing nothing he's had mm. i think like, the odd cough but from swimming pool, like yeah. when we took him to swimming lessons, he got the odd little, little tiny cough. But he's, mm. he's been so healthy. Mm. And now mm. he is the tallest in his class by a foot. He almost looks freakishly large. <laughs> he's, he's giant. So go. he's not the tiny <laughs> shrinking Malnari. He's yeah. in grade two, thriving Theo's, doing the monkey bars. He's thriving and healthy. So it's great to see more and more families like yourself raising them from birth.
1: And I think I want to start talking about this more as I get more experience with it. You know, like, I don't want to be that parent that you know, starts saying, oh, I've had one, <laughs> like, you know, my kid's one year old and I'm, starting to, I'm going to tell everyone, you know? uh, but I do want to start talking about it from a nutrition perspective and trying to show people how beneficial it is, not just from a nutrition standpoint, but in my research, the study showed that there's arterial hardening of fetal arteries in women that have higher cholesterol when they're pregnant, or 100% of kids by the age of 10 have fatty streaks, which is the first stage of atherosclerosis. So they've all got heart disease by the age of 10. And so, you know, I tell people like, you know, I'm not, I'm not actually trying to prevent heart disease anymore. I'm trying to reverse the heart disease that I've already got from the years of damage that I've done to my body. And we all have it. Um, except for probably our kids
0: yeah. who Iggy, Iggy may a, have from that place. pregnancy sorry buddy <laughs> sorry <laughs> Mummy didn't know <laughs> she ate all the lemon meringue pie <laughs> and everything out of a bamerie <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know
1: and so it's i think it's the best health decision you can make for your kids
0: absolutely i is, agree
1: is well i obviously in the first year of their life breastfeeding but you know once they do start eating the the whole food plant based diet is the best thing you can do.
0: Yes. And just a quick little note about breastfeeding because I know that many people who might be listening might have struggled with breastfeeding or felt unable to breastfeed. It is super, it is really, really tricky. Please don't feel any shame or if you're, or, you know, I'm sorry if you feel that way or if you have any. A lot of women have such grief and struggles with this issue and I don't want to. Perpetuate that, but I do think, from myself, our society makes it very difficult to breastfeed for an extended period of time. I found it very difficult. It took me two months to figure out breastfeeding with Iggy. It took two months of lactation consultants, and if you don't have access to that and a supportive partner, and you have your own issues, it can be really, really tricky. But I was blessed to have you know um, Australian Breastfeeding Association on the phone. That's free calls and. It's a great service, and without them, I don't think I would have managed to breastfeed Iggy f- at all, let alone as long as I did. Did you struggle as well? We
1: struggled. I think everyone struggles initially. Some
0: women just get it out. They whack them. On. My girlfriend just—it's like she was just like, really? like a can- oh, wow. mother kangaroo. She just <laughs> she just crawled out of her pouch and <laughs> latched on, and they were on their way. But I had such a hard time. It was so uh, tricky. I
1: was talking to I was talking to Doctor Barnard about it, and he said. Uh, he said the vast majority of people who, uh, I guess, you know, it is a touchy topic, but I think we need to be quite um, assertive about it. Is that you have to, I guess, as much as you can, do your best. And he said that women are women just lack support.
0: But it's it's a support and, issue, and that's
1: and we need to we need to give women more support and understanding instead of just saying, oh, you probably don't have enough flow. The baby has to work to get that flow, and and. You know, my wife at one point she was sitting on the chair with Alia from twelve pm to two am.
0: So many nights like that.
1: And and it's so it would have been really easy to say that oh I just don't have enough work because she just wants to keep feeding. But that's how they stimulate the flow of milk. And I think I think it's important to really get a full picture of this. And I think what you say is really important that some women just cannot do it. But most,
0: many, many, many more can than do. Many
1: more can. Exactly, absolutely, and I think I think that's that's where the support and the understanding and you know I, th- I don't feel as though we got enough information even through classes and things like that about it's just like one talk about breastfeeding, and it okay. wasn't enough to really understand what could happen what you know what does it mean if the baby's latched onto you for like ten hours at once, you know like it doesn't mean that you haven't got enough exactly flow. and
0: i th- I think that this topic is so we could talk about this all day, but I think that. When we talk about food, committing to this way of eating, like you said, research, and I say it's over and over again. If you're, even if, if you're wavering, like you've done the research and it's been six months and you've forgotten the research and now you're back in front of a donut shop, do the research again. You know what I mean? Just keep reading and reaffir- reaffirming it in your head because it, I need to keep reading. Like these podcasts talking to you makes me go, Away and reaffirms my position on this way of eating, and the same is true for breastfeeding, birth, parenting. Like when I was pregnant and before I was pregnant, I started reading about breastfeeding, and I knew the ABA existed, and I knew that there was could be be some difficulties, and I knew kind of what I needed, and I knew the same about birth. I knew what the complications could be, and I prepared for all possible outcomes at you know cesarean, or whatever it was. I prepared for it all, and I think that that. It's what helped me be successful is that I did that research beforehand and went, okay, so these are all the possible things. I'm, pre- I'm prepared for them and this is where I can go for support if I'm having a problem with them. And I think many people don't do that research. Not all people, but lots of people don't. And then they get blindsided.
1: In the same way that your body is designed to give birth to a human, it's designed to feed that human. And we need to, and we really, as you said, we do really need to support. You know, I'm not probably the best person to talk about it. As a man, <laughs> but.
0: I'm giving you this platform, Shakur. You're not, you're not mansplaining to me about breastfeeding. Don't worry, I don't, <laughs> I don't feel it.
1: <laughs> yeah, good. But you know, from my experience with 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 my wife, and just seeing what she went through, and you know, like yes, it it hurt. It was painful. There was times where she didn't enjoy it at all. But she, I guess, she just, she just as you said, she knew the information, and she was very determined to give it, I guess, everything, you know, because of the benefit to the child, and and I think that sometimes gets lost in the breastfeeding conversation. Like Not just the nutrient benefits, but the emotional um, and the uh, physiological and the immunological benefits that are given to the child from the breast milk are forgotten in a lot of the conversations because we're only thinking about it as nutrition and it's much more than that. I think that needs to be addressed a lot more as well.
0: And I think like diet, just to tie this together, I think that we, and it's in the pleasure trap as well, you know, we are designed to avoid suffering as much as possible and to, to help our infants avoid suffering. So, you know, not having the donut feels like we're making our depriving ourselves and we're causing suffering that we don't want to have. And when our babies, you know, when Ithiggy, Iggy would be, because we couldn't latch, we just couldn't get the latch to work. And he was like, I used to call him angry soccer dad. Cause he'd just scream at me. And he's like two days old, just screaming in my face. And I'm just like, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm just a kid playing soccer. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> your yeah, screaming yeah. isn't helping yeah. me dad. <laughs> you know, so that's what I used to say to him when he was, scre- baby screaming in your face. You're like, This isn't making yeah. me relax yeah. or making yeah. my yeah. milk come down. It's making me panic. And I just feel <laughs> tense. And so you, do i can see why you would give him a bottle you know because you're just like if you weren't if you hadn't done research or you didn't have the lactation consultant or the midwife or the support of a, your husband or spouse because you're just like oh, he's starving look how upset he is he's screaming at you give them the thing that's going to fill their bellies and make them calm down. But in the long term, that would have meant my milk wouldn't have come in. I wouldn't have made as much milk because he would have been having the formula instead of my milk and my breasts wouldn't get the message that they needed milk. It's a long, complicated thing. I do think that support and, and realising that a little bit of discomfort, like not taking the donut or or getting that, all oh, feelings when you're trying to breastfeed at the start, which is horrific and heartbreaking as a mother when your baby's screaming in your face for weeks on end. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You yeah. can see why we go for the formula. And often it's because friends, family and friends are well-meaning people who come in with a can of formula and say, this, is, this will solve all your problems. And you're just like, I haven't slept for a year, so sure i'll do it yeah i'll do it but anyway we've strayed way off topic and um what i want to say now before we hang up is just where can people work with you because you are an expert in this you've been doing it now and you've helped so many people to heal from ulcerative colitis and just to feel better in a million different ways so where can they find you i know you've already mentioned but to say it again
1: (laughs) we we run high carb health so highcarbhealth.com I'm sure you're gonna put the link in the description anyway. Uh, but again, same on YouTube, high carb health uh, on YouTube, on Instagram is high carb health as well. And you know on Instagram, we post pretty much every single meal that we eat. So you know, because our main you know because so much is done on social media these days, it's hard to kind of understand, okay, well, he says he feels good, but how do we know? you know? Um, he says he eats this, but how do we know? Well, we shouldn't show you. <laughs> okay. And so, pretty much every meal that Shamiz and I eat is on Instagram stories. Uh, we put what, what we eat a day videos on YouTube. We share experiences. We share testimonials. There's more than 60 testimonials of people healing uh, digestive issues on our website. So, yeah, I mean, it's it, it, mostly us, we you know, focus on the digestion, but it really does encapsulate the whole body so it's a it's a holistic process and you know they say disease starts in your gut so if you want to if you want to heal, heal you should heal your gut first and it's it's fine. it's just phenomenal to see what happens when people start eating healthier and there's no bad time to make positive change <laughs> you know it's never the wrong time is
0: that your top three tips oh
1: top three tips yeah okay. well, that was, well, a tip, yeah, so was a good like, tip so i was like
0: that's a really good one yeah
1: number sure. one <laughs> <laughs> yeah we can start with that one, yeah it's never the wrong time to start eating healthier. you know people say, "Oh, should I do it? maybe I should wait till after this, or maybe I should wait till then, or it's uh, do it now, <laughs> you know otherwise you'll just care. it'll just be something that happens in the future. you know, jump in there, do it now, and learn as you go, so yeah, start now, like and as I did, you know, just 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 jump into it and just do it, you know, like the best thing I can say to people is give yourself a month. And just do it, and do it properly for a month. And just say, I'm only going to do it for a month. If it doesn't work for me, then I'll, I'll stop. But you know, and 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 do your blood test. You know, st- do your blood test before and do it after, and you'll see the difference. You'll feel the difference. You'll see the difference in your numbers. It's just amazing what that happens. And I guess tip number two would be do your research. Be informed. Okay. Be informed because once you know, you can't unknow. Okay. Uh, and then when you when that when that bit of meat or dairy comes in front of you. You know, that causes heart disease. <laughs> you know, hey, that's, that, that increases my risk of cancer. You know, that has, that has, that's going to lead to trimethylamine oxide in my, in my liver. And that's going to, you know, that's, uh, you know, that dairy has insulin like growth factor that grows cancer cells and all of those things that when you put that in your mouth, you know, it's not going to be good.
0: Absolutely. It becomes not food after a while. Once you've done the research, that food becomes not food.
1: It's not food. It's not food. Um, just, I I say that to my clients, like, that's like, Oh, you know, I miss all these foods. They're like, they're not food. (laughs) They're not meant for us. Um, they're not meant for us. They're not food. They're just, it's not a natural thing to do for a human being. It's just simple. You know, um, when I, when I when I see a rat walking past me, if I'm hungry, I don't feel like eating it. You know, <laughs> no. <laughs> there's nothing. There's nothing about that that makes me hungry, and I'm not. I'm not an omnivore or a carnivore. Nothing about that makes me hang hungry. Um, but if I did, if I saw a plate of watermelon in front of me, I'd be getting stuck into that. So, yeah. And uh, I think the last tip is prepare or prepare to fail. Mm-hmm. Very okay? good. Um, our society doesn't doesn't really make it easy. The media doesn't make it easy. The restaurants don't make it easy. Although it's getting easier as each kind of month goes by. Although easier in a I bad know, way. Oh like,
0: gosh! It's so easy to eat you? terrible vegan <laughs> food that gives you all the yeah, things that you're yeah. trying to avoid.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, like when when Magnum comes out with a vegan ice cream, you're like, well, "What is going on?" Why?
0: And Cornetto. I haven't, had, I haven't tried them, but yeah. I haven't tried the Cornetto.
1: Oh, I haven't tried. I did, try, <laughs> Either, I have but... tried
0: a Magnum. I'm not going to. I confess. Yeah. I...
1: No, sorry. I didn't try the Cornetto. I tried yeah, the Magnum. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Just, just so I can pass it on to my non-vegan friends to give it a shot. Just, it's just for a public service announcement.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I call it a sanity check, a curiosity check. Yes. Um, but nothing about that really felt made me want to eat more of it. Um, whereas my banana smoothie, I do want to have more of that every single day. But yeah, prepare or prepare to fail. I think that's just a really important thing. You know, understand what you need to do, and if you're not sure, get some guidance. You know, talk to someone who's been there. Um, it doesn't have to be me. It could be anybody. You know, it could be you, Corinne. You know, like go to go to one of Corinne's classes or make friends. Like go to like go to meetups and make friends and like. Change your, not completely change your friend circle, but make new friends that are more interested in what you're doing.
0: It makes such a difference to have community. But watching videos, like watching, going to high carb health and seeing the Insta stories and seeing what they're eating, even if you just do one meal of that, just try it one meal today and one meal tomorrow, and you'll you'll notice it just with one meal, and it just let them see what they're eating and just let that guide you and just give you yeah inspiration it's great thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story
1: You're welcome thanks for having me i really i really enjoyed it even though we probably went on different tangents and went all over the place i think we covered some interesting ground
0: i think it's interesting we can do we'll do a more cohesive one never because it's me but we'll try <laughs> we'll try but i like that what we can i think i think i think they're all valid topics yeah. that people are interested in and i think that yeah. you know um raising t- raising a baby i think
1: sometimes getting you can get stuck into this into the science but um most people are wanting someone thing they can relate to uh and you know i think i think I, i'll tell people if i can do it anyone can do it like i was the biggest me to <laughs> you know like I just junk food like I don't think I had very many healthy things in my diet, so if i can if I can make that that real big switch and stick it to it in six and a half years now that I've been plant based vegan
0: congratulations um,
1: thank you. I think if I can do it, anybody can do it and there's no there's no barriers
0: so if you're not if you're listening and you're not yet on board, why don't you just do it for do it for four weeks and then Write to both of us and tell us how you feel. <laughs> yeah. Go to High Carb Health or write in the yeah. comments on this episode. <laughs> tell us how you feel. Cause we want to know. We dare you. We double dare you just to give it a shot.
1: Yeah, and there's a there's a like based on my experience, we created like this thirty day challenge. We don't promote it, yeah, much, same. I've but if, if anyone wants to do it, they can contact us, and, and you know we can kind of give them the information they need to kind of do it. And, you know, just challenge yourself for 30 days. I, think, I, don't, I, think, I don't think it's that much. It's like 100 bucks or something. And, um, you know, just challenge yourself for 30 days and just see the difference it makes. It, it made a massive difference for me and it most likely will for you too if you do it right.
0: So, Hedo, is that on your website? They can find it over there. Head over to their website.
1: Yep. Otherwise, email us. I'm pretty sure it's on yep. there.
0: Yeah. Or email them and you can get started today. Get started today. What have you got to lose? There's no day in the future that you're going to. What What was it? There's no wrong time to start eating healthier. Number Tip number so, one, start yeah. today.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so
0: much for coming on the show. All right.
1: Thanks, Corinne.